Hello. Welcome to the Euphoria Podcast. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Now, I'm your host, Dracos, and joining me today is Yamato Cannon and Frost Gurren. Welcome to both of you. Today is going to be a journey. We're going to look at the finals that happened last weekend, and we're going to go back to simpler times, less quarantined times, to the start of the split, where we made a top 20 list, all three of us, and where Yamato and I made, a, a, I'm going to say, a somewhat unfortunate tier list that we'll get Frost Gurren's thoughts on first hand. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch that episode. I don't know what your guys' tier list was. That's great. I didn't remember either, which is why I got to relive the horror this morning when I looked it up and realized how wrong we were. Did you just say you looked it up? I looked it up. <laughs> I looked. Wow. Okay. Well, it's, a strong, it's a strong start. I didn't just wake up. I'm not just pounding coffee at this very moment trying to uh, be awake. Let's start, let's start with the easier topic, the more recent topic, dear friends. Um, Fanatic G2 happened this weekend. And if you missed it, it was exactly what you wanted. It was five games, neck and neck. Every game was 50 minutes. It came down to a pentakill. And then Reckless, as he was dying from his pentakill, gave Perks a pentakill. And that's how the season ended uh, in a tie for the first time ever. No, actually, it was awful. It was a 3-0. It was horribly one-sided. I, I was super disappointed. You guys were on broadcast for it. How did you feel about, about this series? I think... Uh, right before, maybe like an hour before, I messaged Yamato and I was like, who are you going to predict? Because obviously we structure our broadcast where we talk about both teams. You can go back and you can look at every single structure. There's always like, oh, how do the teams get here? What are the team's play styles? Uh, what do we think will be important and who are we going to hype up? And then it's like predictions at the very end. Um, and I, I was basically like, I feel like this can go either way. Um, what are you predicting? Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have the same prediction as Yamato because I felt that that would be unfair to the series, and I felt that I could analytically justify both sides. Like it's really easy to justify that Fnatic will win when they looked like they were in better form, and it's super easy to justify that G two would win when they'd beaten Fnatic every single time. They'd never lost a best of five against Fnatic uh, unless Caps had been playing on the team, and like all of that, like reasoning and then i could have like an analytical oh and think about how this guy plays versus how this guy plays um and i think like right up into the wire uh, i was very unsure what to say and so on the back half of that like all of this lead up and being like we were really unsure who was going to win and then it was like a 3-0 like that's how surprising that 3-0 was to me i honestly just felt like i got slapped in the face i was like what the f-? can't say that word what happened <laughs> <laughs> i loved it i love you loved it I really, really loved it because it was uh, uh, the smacking of the the century. It was, it was, that was super a nice. Big spank. Yeah. It was. It was a big spank. It was like that Tyler one getting spanked at that beef house or whatever that was with, with Faker. Yeah, it was yeah, weird with as hell. Faker. <laughs> that was really. That's an really actually. Odd. That's an accurate way to reflect how I felt about the series, which was like slightly uncomfortable, slightly confused, like perplexed that this could even happen and why would it happen, and then just at the end, like. Wondering why I was here, watching Kogma Lulu win every single See, game. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me is that like, there's no way to predict that. You can maybe like maybe make a prediction that um, after the defeat to Mad Lions, like there's two things here. One, the defeat to Mad Lions, the greatest upset in my personal opinion that the LEC has ever had, really skewed perceptions because if you remove that best of five the second best of five against the Mad Lions for G2, and then the origin best of five 
G2 versus Origin, where like you saw really clean versions of G2. And so if you just saw that tape versus the tape that you saw from Fnatic, people would not have been so one-sided. So like the greatest trick that the Mad Lions ever pulled was convincing everyone that Fnatic had a chance. <laughs> like they they completely warped everyone's perceptions. Um, and then like the other part of it is in the development that G2 made after losing to Mad Lions, the fact that Caps was bringing out Vayne, that he brought up the Callista, he showed the Varus. Uh, so he wasn't, he was no longer just playing like Senna, Aphelios, and then like mages. And so maybe then you can try to make like the analytical jump that I, you know, I see that Caps has been really been grinding. So I think they're going to pull out a completely new ADC today that's going to like warp the series or be like pivotal to the series pick. But otherwise, like Caps that himself, they played Lulu Cogma three times. They thought about it like the night before the, the series. Like, ah, oh, yeah, let's do that one. I think also what's so insane is uh, just that they actually prepared such a good draft versus Fnatic. Like, Fnatic shot themselves in the foot by going, like, Tom Kench and... By banning Like, I think maybe banning Kalista Blue was something that they needed to do because they didn't show any preference on Kalista. And then Syndra the same way, and then Yumi they just removed. Like, Yumi Garan is not a thing, and they didn't play uh, Yumi all season long. So, like, they were bound to these three bands. And then, looking at how Fnatic won most of the games... It was mostly through fights around Drake that they prepare for super, super well. Uh, uh, usually through lanes that um, had uh, a lot of presence that they could use TPs through. And all three games, the early game was very, very unexplosive because there was no, no room to do so with Fnatic's draft. And then uh, it reached a point in time where Fnatic wanted to be forcing fights, but... Uh, it didn't really, really work. It was it was strange to me to see Hillisang on Tam Kench, Tam Kench, Brom yep. in the series. That was really, really odd because I thought it was very, very clear that Hillisang, when he was playing things that allowed him to start the fights, he usually finds a way, a ways to do it. And then on top of that, you know, like what I'm thinking, if, if, if G2 couldn't get defeated by Fnatic in this scenario... When I felt like G2 started the playoffs with the worst foot possible, losing to Mad Lions, big wake-up call. They needed to kind of uh, figure out how they need, wanted to play within two, three weeks. Uh, the, the growth <laughs> and the, the increase of level in that short amount of time was honestly really, really insane. I think what G2 have shown is the fact that... Uh, they can improve so quickly, recognize what is wrong, and that they are unhurt by a best-of-five loss. They are so quickly back on the wagon. And I think if an addict didn't win here, I think it's never going to happen. So like, I if, think... if we're going into summer, I think it's just not going to happen. Like, I think Fnatic is just... They are facing a mountain now, forever. I think there's like... I love everything that you said there, and there's like three different points that I want to kind of like pull off of it. So um, the first one, when you talked about Hilly being placed on Kench and Braum, I agree with you. And I think it feeds into what I thought was going to be one of the biggest stylistic mismatches, which which was, and Yanko also talked about this in his post-series uh, interview, that G2 were no longer playing a Mickey-Rome style where Mickey was teaming up with Yankos. If you actually look at the jungle proximity and the duo proximity, Mickey was pretty much like babysitting in uh, Katz's lane. Now, obviously, playing Yumi is going to skew those statistics, but Yankos was also, like, hard camping bot lane when we shifted into playoffs. So it was a very different departure from 2019 
uh, G2, where like Mickey was like hard roaming around to sitting in bot lane and becoming a bot lane centric team. Whereas Hilly, like you're saying, being placed on Tom, Kench, and Braum was like a hard roaming uh, champion. They would abuse things like the Senna and then have a teleport on support to get Hilly roaming around the map and then have Reckless be super safe and lane by himself and then also have global presence with the ultimate. Um, and then also using the Misfortune. And Vetti has pointed this out in his cast that they would use Misfortune's passive strut to make... Uh, really fast like macro rotations especially like from spawn running because she basically has movie boots running to mid and like constantly leaving lane and so i thought that that's why fanatics early game would always be stronger than g2s because technically in the early game they were uh unlocking more members on the map than we had seen from g2 in 2020 especially during playoffs and so if you were going to track how the the series would go you'd suspect okay fanatic would probably peak in the early game because they're much more proactive and much more active um and then g2 would take over mid game because g2 are actually just the cleaner macro team and this goes to my second point which is the team fighting uh g2 drafted like a super strong team fighting comp you have azir uh kogma lulu and basically you have like anti-dive you grab the jarvan so your jar the jarvan can't impact uh the kogma and you have so much zone control and against fanatic fanatic were a really good team fighting team when you talked about the dragon setup when they kind of get to just land on you and just instantly destroy you and don't get me wrong comparatively to most lec teams fanatic also a very uh strong like slow team fighting team like as the team fight extends against some of the bottom tier lec teams fanatic will just tear you apart but against g2 they are not better at playing slow team fights than g2 g2 were the best in the league at doing that i think it would be like g2 and then i would say origin and then fanatic in terms of playing a really slow team fight so it would kind of visualize that if fanatic didn't get that like that flank on you that wombo combo with like a zack and a rakan hitting you and then like the bullet time goes across like their setups were good but if they ever fumbled the setup or if the setup didn't instantly kill you fanatic weren't going to win the fight and i think that's the other thing that they need to look at in terms of like cleaning up if they ever want to compete with g2 and then the final point of you saying that if Fnatic don't win here, they're never going to win. Um, and then looking at the draft specifically, because I think the draft was a huge issue. Like, why the hell is Fnatic's draft continuously issues when they have different coaching staff? EDG and China would also have pretty horrendous drafts or were just really slow to react in a best of five drafts for a very long time. And they did it with different rosters, different coaches. Um, and it kind of felt like the one constant was clear love. And I was like, it must be clear love. It must be like his voice specifically in comms that is skewing how they're either the philosophy of the game is being played or the champions that they're prioritizing to fit into that philosophy. And now I'm starting to think that that's the exact same thing that's happening to Fnatic. And then I can only go to the names that have been there the longest, which would be names like Reckless, names like Hilly, um, maybe even Whippo at this point, because they feel like they're really investing into him. So that would be my next question is, in terms of draft, because they've had Youngbuck and they've had Miffy, uh, and I feel like Fnatic has had pretty strong opinions on draft philosophy or game philosophy, and then like refused to move them. Like at Worlds, when they decided to stick on the Garen Yumi, and everyone's like, just get the f off Garen Yumi, play anything else. And this time around, when they refused, I don't know if it was Nemesis's ego or like what it was, he tried to pull the Cassid into the Azir before he was like, okay, I just got a blind picket from Blue Side, but. You know, not playing Callista when we know that Reckless has shown Callista. Uh, banning Yumi on blue side when we know that uh, Reckless can be an amazing Ezreal player. Like, yeah, Yumi's not great for Hilly, but there there are options that they could have played these champions and not been so hamstrung on blue side. Because imagine if that series went the distance and Fnatic were forced on red, they'd be screwed because they'd have to 
like one of those power picks would get away from them. Like they had to be blue side every single time because they weren't going to play Callista. Yeah, they chose side every every game. It's, and it's they always chose point. blue. Yeah, it's um, it's giga interesting because you know, like I think first game, like usually, like from best of five perspective, if you are a coach and you're in that situation, I, I don't know. Like I think it was. I, I don't even know if it's it's coach decision or draft decision. Usually every dynamic is different, right? So it's hard to to point fingers. But after that first game, I think it was very evident that, uh, you know, even though they had botched dives, I, I don't think the biggest issue was gameplay issue. I think the biggest issue was definitely draft issue. But then going deeper into it, first game, Fnatic did some good moves, actually, macro-wise. There was like the play where Bipo was sitting in the bush. They got double killed, took Rift Herald at the same time. That was like a huge swing. It was just a draft gap. And then later on in the series where they actually had opportunities to, uh, for example, in game three, I think that was when they had the best chances to have a better draft. I think that is where you saw the biggest gameplay gap. And at the same time, I felt like Fnatic did indeed play worse than usual because a lot of people are speculating, oh, is it mental block against G2? And... It's all speculation, right? But I can. The only thing I can say for sure is, uh, I look into. I like reviewed this weekend. It's on my YouTube channel. I reviewed this weekend <laughs> uh, the games, and I like took like maybe one hour and thirty minutes for every single game. So I looked at every moment, and Fnatic definitely, definitely, as the series progressed, played worse than usual. Whatever you make of that is is up to you. Uh, it's something that I wanted to point out too. I mean. I, I can like I can see it. Even if you don't watch the games and you just look at pick ban and you know that there's a loss. Like you start on Nemesis's Vigar game one, you'd run back a very similar draft game two, but now you're on the Cassidin. And if like if I look at that game two draft, my initial assumption is like, okay, if Fnatic don't win this draft, if I was Fnatic, I would instantly be tilted. Cause like you don't they didn't pick Cassidin a lot. We know it's a champion that he likes. I can see the theory there. But that to me is like a desperation. Like, all right, what do you need to be comfortable? Like, you're you're digging deep into the champion pool to find the counter pick at this point. And that draft was abysmal. We saw so little um, from Nemesis in that game. He was uh, completely helpless. And I don't hold it against him. I think he's limited by the pick. You know, at the end of the day, the draft is is a team effort. But I was stunned as on, on the outside looking in at how... I mean- how they kind of just kept trying the same thing, game one and game two, obviously with some dip, slightly different picks, but just like kind of bashing their head against the wall. It feels to me like they had this idea that like reckless carrying is like our best option. We'll get a Felios Tom Kench every game. It's going to be like a great setup. And then they get Lulu Kogma and they're like, it's fine. It was an execution thing. We'll try it one more time. And it's just like, I don't know why, why that was the mentality around bot side of the map when it was clearly such a problem. And here's the best part, friends. Yankos in his MVP interview literally said what G2 were going to do. He literally said, yeah, you know, I love playing weird stuff, but the best way to play the game right now is just to pick something like Jarvan and gank bottom every game. So I guess we'll do that. And what does he do? (laughs) He picks Jarvan in the first two games. They pick a range support. He goes bottom every single opportunity and they win. He literally said it in his MVP interview. Big he said brain. exactly what they were going to do. I mean, but to be fair, when you have Tom Kitch, you're like, come bottom. We can absorb all of the pressure. And then we have a, a strong, at least, uh, kill pressure oriented 2v2 mid jungle. Like, they probably, what, he got Lee Sin one game, and I think he got Olaf the second game? Uh, where did he get the second game? So they got, I can't remember. Yeah, they got Trundle second game. Oh, God. <laughs> 
That one not quite as good. Yeah, yeah. The drafts are not even worse than maybe you remember them. Not that Trundle isn't a good champion. I don't have them in front of me, so I was just trying to because I'm I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm like, okay, now if I'm fanatic, what would and I hear Draco say this, what is my response? And I feel like yeah, they probably thought that they, it was an execution error. Like everyone who, because everyone in the world who has eyes is like, what what is happening in this draft? Like, why are you playing with uh, you know, like with this type of handicap here? Like, just fix it. Um, but if I'm fanatic, I'm probably thinking like, no, it was an execution issue. If you see yep. here and here and here, these were where we could outplay. This is where we failed. Um, and then I just have to say like the counterpoint to that is why against G2 are you relying solely on like the ability to out execute, yeah. especially in a final. <laughs> and then you try to do that twice. Like you don't learn your lesson the first time. So you're like, just run it back. I think uh, a, a key thing that I want to add uh, is I don't want to judge Fnatic too hard on just one best of five the same way everyone did to G2 with one best of five. That's a very good point. You, your effort on the day and your preparation for the day, like Kogma Lulu was fantastic into Tam, and I don't know why they committed into it again and then putting Hilly on Brom after they just showed that they are willing to play and chances. I don't know. I think they did Brom to counter the Orn. Which, which again, is which is which is very either. limited. Like yeah. if if they yeah. went for instead of Zillion ban, let's say they ban Morgana, they go Nautilus Gangplank there. They have good damage mix and they have GP into Aphelios. It's it's going to be beautiful, right? Like there was sure. easy ways to like I I heard people were saying afterwards that he just forgot GP existed or something. Which is GP would have been crazy. so good because it was a dive arms race. Yeah. And here's the thing, yeah, we learned. Last season, the entire like middle to second half of our season was how do you make Aphelios not a champion? And no. the lesson that everyone learned the hard way was pick GP. Aphelios can't play the game. The second he loses Flash ever, you win the next team fight guaranteed with the GP on your team. Fnatic yeah. just should have played Karthus GP against Cogma Lulu. <laughs> the tricky thing is just uh, like I think the first two games, just just Tom Kench is the biggest problem. I think by far the yeah. biggest problem. Well, and then. Just, just to finish my point about Fnatic is they played super, super well in regular split. They played super, super well in, in whole playoffs. It's just this last best of five that everyone's going to remember the same way with G2 when they lost to Mad Lions. It was like, ah, they're trash now. <laughs> I don't think we should like just toss Fnatic in the bin because I saw people calling like, let's replace players. This guy's oh bad. God. It's like, Jesus so people, people were like, oh my God, Hill is saying, how dare you? It's like, Hill is saying gifts this team so many freaking wins. The only reason they were this high up the standing is because like half the plays Hill is saying made regular season. Like people need to chill out. And look, like I get it. You see a game two. I see it in Hill is saying's mind. He's like, I got flash. I got exhaust. If I flash exhaust, if we get this Lulu to blow flash, like we can full commit to this play here. I can just constantly pressure like we for once in this freaking series can actually get something done bottom lane. And then it's like, oh, but the risk you're taking is if Jarvan's bot lane, you instantly die. And he did it. He took that risk anyway. And was it like the wrong choice? Yeah. But like I get that moment where you know you're slowly watching your team bleed out to the same crap that they lost to in the previous game. So I get it's, again, it. It's like the results-based analysis. Just because you saw them lose, then you determine that the player is bad. When like Hilly and Reckless, like we talked about in our series, Dracos, um, mm-hmm that this is the bot lane in the LEC. Like, Caps and Mickey definitely try to do this, but not as effectively as Hilly and um, Reckless usually do, or consistently, I'll say, is that they punish everything. Like, Hilly will always trade his flash for enemy ADC flash, and Fnatic will always punish that. Um, So, I mean, like, I would prefer to have 
that type of mentality in players if I'm building a team and have a reckless and a hilly rather than see them, you know, flash forward and determine like, uh, greedy, uh, terrible call hilly inting again it's like no it was very clear what he was trying to do there and you could totally see the logic of why it worked out it's just on the day didn't work yeah also if you're if you're a salty fanatic fan right now and like don't get me wrong you have a right to be salty you can be really disappointed in your team they did lose the series as you might have said one series i don't think there's a lot to take but remember that last spring you were losing to origin so You're moving up. And by summer, I think you can expect more because if we remember how the by last summer, Origin roster games. started, yeah, it was like I was like watching Nemesis get solo killed mid lane by Jazuke in like the first few weeks. Like things were going good, Fnatic. Like the team is is getting better. Is it a bad series? Yes. Is it a horrendous series? Also, yes. Yeah, it was, it was really massively disappointing. But I don't think any one of us would say that if we ran this best of five back today that we would see the same 3-0 again. Maybe we still see a 3-0. I don't know. But I think we would see a lot more life from fanatic and definitely at least some freaking gp so i i think we would get at least one more game i think maybe even five games if we if we ran this series back just as is with both teams having learned what they learned from the first one i got something too like this was mythy's like first final as a coach to my understanding yeah, yeah. it was self also self-made's first final i and it's just like in in the conversations, and I'm sure Yamato can speak more to this, um, and he mentioned it kind of earlier that it's it's different for every single team, but like there's always like a dynamic that you learn when you go into draft, like what is the give and take from like player to coach and like who's making the decision. Because I've been in plenty of decisions where I'm like, we should play this champion here because this is how it works. And your player's like, no, I want to play this champion. And then you have to weigh up whether it's more important to give the confidence and the comfort to the player rather than what you think is like the analytical, like best way to play the game or whatever your analyst is telling you. Um, and, you know, like that's a that's a hard lesson learned. For all we know, Mithy could have gone back and been like, I'll let you guys play the Vigar, the Cassidy in the Kenshin this time around. Or like maybe maybe it's the opposite way. Maybe it's Mithy saying you have to play Kench here because we have to absorb pressure when it could have been Hilly being like, no, give me the Rakan. But then everyone turns around and is like, you Hilly, like, why didn't you play? Like, and we have no idea. Wait, which I, I talked to Fnatic about this. We have to stop over dramatizing um, Fnatic interactions. But that's my favorite people, people start People start believing them. They're like, yeah, they must be swearing at each other all the time. It's like, no, she made the situation up. It might have also just been like, Hilly, I respect you as an individual, but can we please pick Tom Kench? And Tom Kench, Hilly being a good teammate, is like, yes, I will pick Tom Kench to support you, fellow teammate. Something that I've learned in my time working with Investor Fives is, you know, when you reach that point where you play like your finals or whatever you play at a point in playoffs is everything, the, the whole dynamic that you've built with your players leads up to that moment. Because you don't get to test it in best of ones. You don't get to be like, like, oh, we tried this one game and then you have to pull in the leash. We had two moments in this best, like in these playoffs where you really needed to like, take a stance and, you know, uh, like reel your players back in. We saw it OG versus Fnatic. They're like, we lost against Senna Zillion. They gave us an opportunity to ban it second wave. Let's not do it. Let's run it back and lose again. <laughs> that happened. And to our eyes, it was like, yeah, this, this Senna Zillion is incredibly oppressive. The moment the mid turret is gone, like Zillion can just zoom around the map. There is no danger at all for him. Zillion with money is just, uh, just... He's living the good life. And then at the same time, we had now the Tom Kench commitment all the way on Clog the Frog, uh, and it happened again. And I think in those moments, as you mentioned, Frost, it's all about like, what is the dynamic you've built up? If you can't reel your players back in in that moment, then 
the dynamic you've built up is is just a wrong judgment call. Oh, my mm-hmm. cat is moving my camera. No, Cookie. <laughs> what? So your cat's name is Cookie? Yes. Do you have two cats? Uh, cookie and Muffin. Oh, my God. Marvelous. The cu- they're the cutest cats in esports. Um, I was going to say, there's so, many, there's so many examples of people being stubborn in draft. The, the Zillion one is very recent. Fnatic not adjusting here. We go back to, I think, your splice, Yamato versus Prawley, the H2K uh, oh, yeah. splice <laughs> semifinal, where it was GP, I think GP NAR, five games in a row. Yeah, you guys yeah. just ran the draft back, wait, to, wait, back wait. to back to back to back to back. Uh, just as a quick example. That laugh, everyone, that laugh that Yamato just did, just think in three years when people look at Mithy at like a world championship and they're like, so what the hell happened in that Fnatic 3-0 versus G2? Mithy will make that exact sound. <laughs> <laughs> Mithy had that experience in NA when he didn't ban Hakuho's Thresh and got hooked, like re- chain hooked. Oh. Like the man was literally smurfing an entire series and DSM was like, we're not banning the Thresh. It's not a problem. Like someone's pride <laughs> had to have been on the line because all logic pointed to just banning the damn Thresh. To so, be fair, we won. To be fair, we won. I guess did win. Okay. You did. And then I guess you know because of love we had five games of shen against gp and we won that series too <laughs> people were calling me crazy but we won you faith in your players that's what we call it faith in your players faith in wonder wonder, faith in wonder. Twice. there you go it's important to say the name because now you know history proved you right in putting your faith there now that he's a top top laner all right i mean like look let's let's move on from this we'll give Fnatic a break i'm sure they've gotten enough attention um as we mentioned from the rabid uh, fanatic fans so kind of to round this out the question i want to want to ask you is like how much have your opinions on the g2 bot lane changed from this series as well as the mad lion series like are you now a believer in the, i was uh, always a believer i was like the person to 80 carry you were yeah, the believer I, yeah i've had this argument so many times with vettius in the car like vettius will be driving back and he'll be like I think they should swap him back. I'm like, they're not going to swap him back. Like, they think that Caps is like the greatest player ever, like, made in a Petri dish. And they're like confident that he will learn That's how rude. to play. We know his dad. We know he was. <laughs> and his mom. <laughs> it was made in the lab for them to win the world championship. It will not happen without Caps. <laughs> so you got Wolverines. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, oh there's no way they swap him back. G2 just want to, like, even if they hadn't won, um, spring here i don't think that there's any way like pull the plug like from talking to that team and seeing like their atmosphere and the work ethic i don't think that was ever going to happen i think fans being like it didn't work in nine weeks when we had like an unprecedented split where we had to go into online play it's a failed experiment change him up i'm like (laughs) unless they get relegated from the league like i say you give it a full season why not (laughs) I, i think also like there are side benefits to it G2 is by far and beyond super far ahead of everyone in 2v2 mid. Yanko's Perks have a lot of history together and they figure out their early game issue. Last year, there was no early game from G2 most of the time. There was like, we do, we kind of give the enemy a 3k gold lead, we give them hope and then at 10 minutes we smack you up. Now, they smack you up from minute two. Fantastic. Which is, you know, additional things that they've added to the weaponry. I think G2 now... Over the course of one and a half years with this roster, I think they are showing that they are actually learning and recognizing their issues as as a team. And that's, to me, what is going to be so crazy coming into the World Championship because I don't think they're going to do the same mistakes in terms of how they pace out, making sure they're not burned out, so they are peaking towards summer, uh, boot camping uh, or whatever. I don't know what's going to happen with the World Championship with, uh, with the whole COVID situation. I have no clue, but... 
in in the world where everything pans out and everything's okay and we can uh, go to the world championship i think g2 is not going to make the same mistakes as last year when they decided to boot camp in europe and they practice against all these teams that are just wanting to learn from g2 because they are clearly the best and then when the eastern teams come in to do come in and they're like oh shit we just got six owed by by one <laughs> what are we supposed to do world starts in one week holy moly and then they just repair and they triage and they fix it and then they manage to get to the world finals imagine a world where they practice against good composite opposition from the get-go g2 is just learning and adapting as we go and i think there's a lot of other benefits to the whole cap situation. I honestly was a believer after week three. Like Caps was smurfing. Caps was smurfing already back then. Like he got MVPs. He was playing Senna beautifully. Uh, he was doing super, super well already. And then there was once again, you know, the perception of, oh, he was inting against Misfits. After they went 6-0 and and beat Fnatic, they kind of, I don't know if they practiced that week even, and then they beat, they lost against Misfits. Then all of a sudden, it was the whole Mad Lion situation that happened later in playoffs too. Caps, AD carry, oh my God. And then in reality, he was like, decent. Okay. There's like, wait, no, I got a tangent. I got a bone to pick. <laughs> we get called G2 apologists. We get called G2 bias all the time. The only people who are biased are reddit because they have such like a goldfish memory they see one best of five a single game like this guy was always terrible he could never play adc why did all these pro players coaches analysts and media say that he was the third best over it's like but they don't they only do that to g2 and like fanatic and fanatic don't get it as bad as g2 like i get it no one likes the team that always wins all the time but when the team wins all the time you're gonna talk about them all the time because they're winning so you need to like teach people why they're winning and why they're so good but the fans will bend over backwards to rewrite history when anyone takes them down suddenly and don't get me wrong karzy and kaiser are very good but to pretend that karzy and kaiser had always been that good that they showed in that best of five like <laughs> that that's some bias <laughs> holy check yourself <laughs> frost current fiddlesticks please calm down the sorry children. i just i really had to get that one out <laughs> you're popping off this episode no i respect it i think i mean to not i'm not gonna get pulled into to that whole discussion because that's just like oh god that's like fire i don't need to throw any flame into but i i, I agree people tend to forget like I want to give praise to Karzi uh, and Kaiser because they did step up and they did show so much. But also for me, I was skeptical about Caps. Now, I'm not like, oh, my God, Caps sucks. Caps awful. Like, I put Caps, I think, third on my all-pro team vote. Like, I thought Caps was really good. And I know he's a fantastic player, even if I didn't always see it. Now, I saw that Syndra and the Callista game, and I got worried. I got worried. So I'm glad that you guys always had the faith. I did not always have the faith. I was impressed by um, Caps, especially in the Mad Lion series, uh, version 2. The Fanatic series, I don't think was like the most impressive thing, mostly because when I look back at every game-changing team fight, Caps stood still, um, which is you know great. That's what Cogmon does. But like, no, well it was played. like that really critical team fight where Bwipo was on Orn and he gets into the back line and Caps dodges the Orn ultimate, or maybe Bwipo throws it the wrong way. I can't remember. The Orn ultimate doesn't connect, and then Bwipo flashes and then tries to find the knockup on Caps, and Caps is like Name in that team fight. He like takes like a slight sidestep. He's like outputting all his DPS. He's orb walking beautifully. Like he, I understand that people are like, oh, yeah, he just sat down and like. Spit. Well, that was one team fight. That was just like the one that, that came was to the mind. That was like, mm, yeah, but Caps played that. Fight that uh, series really well. And again, the people who will like be like, everyone's crazy, G2 bias, how are they, Caps apologists? They then go and vote him MVP like back-to-back series. I'm just like, 
what? <laughs> Caps is a really good player, and just because every, he had one bad series doesn't doesn't discount it. Like that's it might, why it's so the, important. The like thirty people, people commenting. Yeah, I was gonna say the thirty people commenting that you're talking about probably specifically from reading post game threads are probably not the same X thousand people that voted Caps as MVP, right? Like, there's definitely like we can't make the public one entity because if you do, it's always going to be dumb because it's like why would you do one thing and say another? The public. That's why the public is dumb. <laughs> I told you. I told you when I woke up. I was like, I'm feeling spicy. I'm just uh, fire. My, fire your shots. We got. We I slashed in day four. I don't even know how many days we're in right now. Yeah, um, it's get it out. You, this is the most social interaction you've had in a long time. Let's just <laughs> let's just keep pumping out hot takes. I'm, I'm sure that there will be a plot of a, a commentary on this to kind of keep you going. G2 win worlds. There you go. I do think that if G2 had another shot at FPX, they definitely wouldn't get 3-0'd. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Fnatic versus G2 too. If Fnatic had another shot, they probably wouldn't get 3-0'd either. I agree with that because I think that sometimes you just have to like learn your lessons. And that doesn't... Uh, there's another tangent here. This whole idea of like... Don't indulge the tangent. We're, on, uh, we're almost out of time in this section. Give us If you can give us a TLDR. Upsets are important. And I say this specifically to the Mad Lions coaching staff. Upset is not a dirty word. It is an amazing word. It means that when people think about like the top upsets of all time, your team will be the first one that come to people's minds. To pretend that it wasn't an upset is disingenuous to you and to the fans. It makes the story worse. Like, and they take it as like an insult whenever you say that they upset G2. Like, ah, we just play better. You played amazing. But if you say that that was always going to happen, it doesn't make it as impressive as it was. Just take the win. Stop. Okay, now I'm done. Gotcha. Mad Lions were always the better team. Nothing that they did was fantastic. They were always going to win. Exactly as expected. How could G2, a weak and frail team, expect to compete with so much rookie talent? Uh, I hear you, Frosco. I hear you. It's, it's baffling. It truly is. Um, when we come back, we're going to review our top 20 lists from the start of the split and oh, see no. where we went wrong. Spoiler, we went wrong in a lot of places, as well as Yamato and I's tier list, one that Frosco hasn't seen and I'm sure <laughs> we'll have many questions about. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we had a lot of great commentary during the break that you're going to be sad that you missed out on. But the good news is is the uh, the fun does not stop there because now we're going to be reviewing our top 20. Uh, I was originally just going to run through each list, but that would be me saying 60 names back to back. So instead, I'm going to ask that the lists are linked in the description of this episode. Um, I also retweet them on Twitter. They were tweeted originally by LEC at the start of the split. Each of us, Yamato, uh, Frostgren and, and myself made a top 20 list. And so, guys, can you see the top 20 list in our little Discord chat? No, yeah. but I'll open it now. Yeah, all right. Well, look, you can look at your own list. You can look around. I'll give you a few seconds to process exactly what you're seeing. Where now, I, I have um, caster chat. Hashtag caster chat. Or caster traffic is where I posted the list. This is, I know, technology uh, is very hard. Um, yeah, so three lists. All of which are um, varying degrees of. Hilarious. I read them backwards, and so I was like, "Wow, Yamada Ken and Humanoid Number One, bold." <laughs> humanoid Number Twenty, Humanoid Number Twenty. All right, so things to keep in mind before, uh, if people see these lists before you start popping off, being like, "These are the dumbest lists I've ever seen." One, you might still be right even after the context, so I'll give you that. But context: <laughs> we didn't put rookies on our list deliberately because we didn't know how a lot of these players were going to perform. We also, this was rating for start of the split. How good were they going to be at the start of the split? 
All right. That doesn't make us any less wrong in some of these categories, but it does give you at least a little bit of context to understand that we're not, um, well, complete morons if I'm, uh, if I'm being totally, totally honest. So first off, let's tackle, I think, the most monumental name on the list that Yamato didn't even put, which is actually just stunning to me, um, was not bought into the hype. But Frost Garn and I were both clearly very bought in, forgiven. I put him number 20. Frost put him number eight. <laughs> okay, I'll say this. Uh, shots fired. So I was doing my podcast with Veteran at the time. And yeah. uh, uh, obviously then I'm getting a ton of like, at, like Veteran just at me. Uh, and mm-hmm. was a big fan of, uh, of Forgiven. And I liked what I was hearing. And so I bought into it. So. Is that a cop out? No, but that's actually what went through my mind. <laughs> I like it. blame shifting. But here was my here was my thing. Here's my thing. Is I was like, look, forgiven might be washed. It's possible. But I was like, but my other choice was Han Sama, and y'all know I'm not a big believer in the Han Sama. At that, did you point, not even so put Han Sama on your list? No, I think I avoided it. Yeah, God bless. Didn't even get him on my list. Um, what rude? God bless. God bless. I don't think Han Sama's good, and I think Han this- Sama made top six. Five to six. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's top six. That's oh, that's thirty players for Oscar. That's third. That's that's not twenty. Listen, there's a couple of names that I would cut before oh, no, I cut Hansama. Sure, for, sure, for sure, but I'm just like I'm just generally wasn't impressed, and so I was like, okay, forgiven was forgiven was the risky gambit for me because I was like, he could come back and smack everybody and put everybody in the ground, and I, and we were looking. I remember at start of season. We were hearing a lot about how Scrim Meta was a lot about like lane dominant picks. There were a lot of hyper carries that Forgiven was like busting out his old like weird champion pool. And everyone, everyone, I don't know if this was just like from you talking to veteran, but like from everyone that, that I heard like filming these opening ads were like. Yeah, I heard that Forgiven was the, doing well. And that um, the thing that veteran spoke to me about, which I was like, oh, that's actually really good insight was he was talking about. Uh, Forgiven's mentality and like how he learns the game and how um, he would have confidence that a player like Forgiven could get back into form because of the just like the mentality of how he trains about the game. And so I was like, okay, if I have a player who theoretically has just come off of military service and is obviously like passionate about the game because wants to get back into it and is trying to continue to play, and then um, people who have worked with him in close capacity are saying that he'll work really hard and that they think that he has the mind to figure the game back out. This isn't like saying that he can get along with teammates and be like a cohesive team member. Uh, and then three, like had the mechanical ceiling that we saw of like greatness. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Eight, probably too high, but I was on the Forgiven hype train. I wanted to see it. Big 80 carry fan. I was like, people have been talking up Forgiven to me for years. I wasn't in EU during Forgiven's big time. I had all of like the amazing LPL ADC. So I was like, you know, fiddlesticks that european player um and i was just trying to make i wanted to see it i wanted forgiven to be the eighth best player and unfortunately probably wouldn't make my list now probably I think like, two key things i want to add on forgiven is you know sure he had the military service and he had the whole break and i think coming back after a break is kind of that's it's unprecedented no one has ever done that so it was like a difficult situation but what was confusing to me after h2k like he had the military service for one year, as I understood. And then he had the, the crying interview and it got delayed. But then there was like this whole like long period of time where Forgiven was just streaming and he wasn't dedicating himself to the game. He had an opportunity to maybe try to join another team. 
maybe he just didn't accept the offers that he could have because in the end, his long, his break was way longer than it needed to be if he really cared about competing in the LEC. So that was the only part that was confusing to me because sure, he had the military service, but 2016, 2020, that is a huge chunk of time that is way more than one year. Yeah. I would just... Like- like you could make these. Like, I agree with the the point. I'm just. You could also say that maybe teams didn't want to take a chance on him after the reputation that followed him around. Or he was just not happy with the t- <laughs> offers that he got. He wanted to join G2 or something. I mean, it's possible. And like, yeah. look, all all I'll say is like we we were optimistic. You and I, Frosty, Monacan, and maybe you had him number 21, 22. Maybe you didn't even have him on the list. Maybe you weren't optimistic. I don't know. But that optimism. Did not work out for him, his entire team, as Schalke had, I think, the worst LEC stage performances we've seen from a team. I don't want to say ever, but it's pretty close to ever. I wasn't here during the Rocket era, so I don't know. That yeah, there were that the Rocket Origin era. No, so both those teams were bad, but they like played like a team. They played very poorly as a team, but they played that as a team. That is rude, guys. What? Okay. They were they played as a team. <laughs> don't don't pretend like we're rude for selling a team that doesn't even exist anymore under the bus. No, I'm just kidding because I coached Rocket back in uh, season five. Uh, oh. no, that wasn't was season five. five. This good. was like we season did. seven. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about. Oh, okay, you're okay. talking about that Rocket. I'm talking about the OG Rocket. Someone has to win a game Rocket. The clown okay, Fiesta okay, Rocket. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That Rocket. You know what it's, I It's hate? important I that we specify we... though, which really shows the years of success that Rocket have under their belt. I hate when orgs like. Feel very like protective and um, defensive about players, and get really mad when analysts criticize them, and then immediately the next split replace said players on the roster. That's what really <laughs> tilts me. Speaking yeah. of Woolite, he'll be playing in EU Masters. If anyone's interested, that tournament starts today. Um, so if you're uh, well, it's yesterday technically when this episode releases. So uh, we'll keep we'll follow up on that one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This forgiven thing bombed. Like those guys didn't play as a team, and it was really sad. I'm happy that Schalke pulled it together, but this like the forgiven experiment was a bit of a bit of a meme at the end of the day. Um, Where'd you guys put his number one? Oh, I think we I I put Yankos, which God bless MVP two time back to back. I put Perks. I can respect the Perks. What Yankos is really far down in your list, though. Oh my God, you put yeah. Cabochard so high. Yeah. Biased. <laughs> <laughs> I think similar to veterans' knowledge of Forgiven's work ethic, Yamato knew that Kaposhard had an in him to carry. I was biased towards Shaka, and he was biased towards Vitality. To play. He didn't have idea. that knowledge at the time. He thought Vitality were going to get their ideal starting roster. He thought he my, thought Vitality, everything was going to come together. My I don't think that's what he thought. <laughs> my mistake was not learning from the Mowgli mistake. Basically, Mowgli had something in Africa. Basically, he had three sub-junglers right behind him, threatening him for his position. He had these players that would push him in a, in a way that he didn't have in vitality, so his performance dipped in vitality. Same thing for Kaboshad. I had high expectation for Kaboshad, but he didn't have the key pieces. I was on the broadcast team. I should have known. You're thinking of Yamato Kaboshar duo. <laughs> Yamato Kaboshar duo was number six on Yamato's list, not just Kaboshar. Yes. That's that's the context it's missing. Um, on the uh, on some of the other more interesting names, I think is Zerse. Yamato, you had him number five. Frost number seven. I put him as number eleven. I feel like we were like this is. I, I don't know about you, but in my eyes, I was like this is the split of Zerse. 
Like yeah. he's fine. We were all like, he's finally on a team with like, that's like super stacked from the start. And I feel like that just instantly crashed and burned. It didn't crash and burn origin. So here's the thing. And this the isn't biggest, a dick on Zerse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the biggest upset is the fact that origin didn't get a chance to prove that they were better than mad lions or worse than mad lions. Like oh, origin true. looked at the loss that G2 took to mad lions. And like you fiddlesticks us. We were supposed to be a third. And now, now we don't even get a chance to prove that we're third. We have to take the L and take fourth. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the actual best of five we were denied. We were also focused on G2 Fnatic. We forgot about OG Mad Lions. Yeah, that, and that's and now people will, again, write off. The thing is, is like, how bad do you have to fail at branding if whenever you're listing the top 10, like just not top 10, 10 LEC teams, Every time I'm listing them, I always forget Origin. Origin and SK, I always forget them. And then I'm like, all oh, right, it's that team that I'm forgetting. It's Origin. It's Deficio's team. It's, it's XPK's team. And you look at that roster, and that roster is so stacked. And I'm just like, what happened? Why is Origin not just like a, a, an amazing, popular, incredible team? Why do they not have the same like fandom that the Fanatics and the G2s do? And they always just end up in the situation where the best best of five that we missed was seeing that Origin could finally prove themselves as top three. They were denied it again. And I guess like summer split, it's going to be the same old uh, storyline with Origin. Like the, these players, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, they're almost going to be there. And maybe this time they'll prove that they're worth a talking point. If you're, if you're listening to this episode, watching this episode, whatever form you're consuming this content in, and you're an Origin fan, can you do me a solid and just reach out to us on Twitter and yeah, just let us know? Yeah, all 12 of you. Uh, yeah, whoever you are, however many of you are, can you reach out and let us know if you could see any best of five tomorrow, what would you want to watch? Would it be OG versus Fnatic? Would it be OG versus G2? Or would it be OG versus Mad Lions? Because I'm not like, I'm not a diehard Origin fan, right? Like, I don't have any investment in watching them play against the top team, mostly because I think they'll lose in 3-0 fashion. But what I do want to see true. is OG Mad Lions. Like, that's the series that gets me fired up. So I'm curious if, like, OG fans, if you're like, I really believe that OG can, like, take down Fnatic. I really believe that OG can take down G2 if you give them another shot. Or would you rather see if they're the third best team by beating Mad Lions? Just to add a little tangent for for the sake of both of you is, (laughs) when we talk about OG, it's always in the context of, how do they beat Fnatic G2? I want yeah, to it's, it's, it's true. It is true. Because, it is actually... got third place, but we're always, always, like, when we're talking about thinking, how did they beat Fnatic G2? And it was, this is our struggle with it. They did good against the bottom teams, and they did well, and Crash and Burn was very harsh words, but Crash and Burn in terms of how they did against Fnatic G2. We're just the, the true, disappointed true. parent. Every time Origin yeah. lose, and you pull up a chat with uh, Deficio, and you're just like, what happened? And you know yeah. that he's on the other side, like, ah! <laughs> and he does it every time. Ah, something went wrong. Something went wrong. Well, also, I do. I, I, to, to add to your point, Frosk, uh, I think the reason why I think OG play in a very boring way, and if you don't yes. win championships playing this boring way, then no yeah. one's gonna remember. It's like uh, I don't know. Like the best example I would say is Jose Mourinho. He won a lot of championships, but people are like, he's just parking the bus. They they just play counter attack football. They have like eleven players defending. And it's like it's like what is this shit? You know it's just, that's how I'm gonna describe Origin's place last summer. They just park in the bus. In the bus. <laughs> yes, 
and you know, you like, see them with like a scaling comp. They have like a two K goal lead at ten minutes. You're like, they just got to parallel park this. It's just gonna take a while, but eventually it'll line up. <laughs> and and here's here's the other thing. And this is my my shout out. Like, if OG fans or the org are tired of us comparing them to Fnatic and G2, then do God. something. Yeah, well, or then just like <laughs> just say, just be like, if you want us to consider you a mid tier team, and just like praise you like we would a mid tier team when you beat misfits or rogue other mid-tier teams fighting in the middle of the pack we'll do it i would so, be glad I would, m- I, muffling your players like they have so many great personalities on that team the coach andre is hilarious uh i know that those players are more than like think think about any interview that you've ever seen with like origin think if there's like any personality that you can attach to as a fan i'm like what is happening i've seen that personality when players from those players when they were outside origin so i have to suspect that it's the org like let them loose Give us access to them. Like, I want to hear uh, Andre pop off more. I loved it when he popped off on Ender. That was like the most excitement. That was the closest series that I've seen Origin ever fight was Ender versus Andre. (laughs) 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 Okay, that's messed up. But that's so fantastic. (laughs) All right. All right. Frost, I'm going to move us along because we're getting getting caught in the weeds. And I love it. And I think it's... If I just... If I create... So many different, like, inflammatory things. This episode will bang. Just pick your clickbait title. <laughs> I'm just going to say just pick is your clickbait it? title is 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 the title. Um, there's a tier list that we made, right? So the top 20, like, top 20, most of the things I think made sense at the time. We couldn't add rookies, right? Like, obviously, there's a lot of names that we would add. These top like, 20 lists are whack. They're hard to do. You need weeks to prep for them. If you rock in with, like, a three-day prep or even just a week prep on, like, a top 20, it's never going to be, like, a great top 20. I hate these lists. They're hype because they generate discussion. But, like, let's be frank. A top 20 list is so difficult to do. You have to have yeah. so I, much I, experience. I it's it's, it's void, the fact that she put Wunder on 18. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you did, I forgot you put Wonder on 18. <laughs> to be fair, 18th best Soraka player in the world? <laughs> Maybe. God damn. <laughs> God. I, yeah, anyway, they generate discussion. This one generated discussion. I call it Mission Accomplished. It just generated another X minutes of discussion as we went over it here. Um, Yamato, here's the other thing that we did that also was probably... <laughs> about generating way discussion. worse than this 20 <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah way what you, worse what did you guys Here, i'm gonna put read it in the chat and drop it in let me see what this looks it's like. in the chat it's click on this click on the screenshot of the of the script and you'll see the uh the in the bottom okay i keep reading things backwards so first when i first read sk i'm like that's generous <laughs> yeah so it's d okay so i'll recap for everyone listening at home once again we'll, we'll get a link in there we'll put it in the description so you know this is the start of split this is expectations going in. I don't uh, even I remember it. what our conversation was, but just I to was clarify. The only S- person fooled by Shulka. <laughs> SK, D tier, C tier, Vitality, XL, Mad Lions, and Misfits. B tier, Fnatic. A tier, Rogue, OG, and Shalka. And S tier, G2. You guys were actually pretty close. I think if you, because again, this was supposed to be for start of the split. I think yeah, if you just split. swapped Shalka and Excel, that you actually would have been right on the money. Goddamn. I was so convinced, though. Me and Yamato were so on the, the Shalka hype train. That, the, we, the we, biggest, were like, we were like, <laughs> go ahead. The biggest deception. The biggest deception was we heard so much scrim rumors. I know, right? <laughs> but then it turned out. That the bad teams were screwing the bad teams and spreading rumors about the bad teams and how good some of the bad teams are. And the good teams were screwing only the good teams. There was like two scrim bubbles. Oh, no. It's so I just, true. All I kept hearing about Misfits was um, 
they have no right to be as good as they are. And I was like, that doesn't tell me anything about misfits. Like, wh- where do I put them then? So to be fair, this is so funny because mis- people hyped up misfits too, and we didn't buy into that one. And then on week one, we were like, oh, thank God we put misfits C tier because they just had that abysmal week yeah. where like, Raz- <laughs> I think Razzik was just choking from stage pressure because he just like actually fumbled every mechanical play imaginable. Flashing and then after that, that they s- yeah, they like after that they like seven zero right. We're like so like damn. We had this like brief false hope that we're like or at least we got one of our scrim rumor predictions right. Hashtag start you know? of the split. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you guys are fine. Like, start okay. So let's say if this is first three weeks of split. I think if you swap Excel and Shalka, and then you bump Misfits to uh, B tier, and then like for start of split, Fnatic actually did start relatively slow. They lost to Origin, um, and they were kind of like figuring themselves out. It wasn't until the back half of split that Fnatic really started to ramp up. So I don't actually mind seeing them in B tier. I think you maybe depending on what footage you're looking at maybe you try to bump them up to a tier but i actually don't think that you guys are like way off well thank you we didn't know beat fanatic uh rogue were a really strong team at the start of the split misfits and excel were kind of the big misfits excel and shalka were the big surprises for everyone shalka for how crazy they bombed misfits for like how suddenly they spiked and excel for actually being a competitive team until everyone else decided to learn how to play the game around them and Excel like stayed the same for, I don't know, 20 weeks straight. Yeah. So speaking of that idea of staying the same, I have a question for you guys. I was trying to think about like what, which team I found, like which teams I was really excited about at the end of this, but like how much my perception changed. And on that subject, I arrived at Rogue, right? Because I look at Rogue at A tier here. Do you remember at the end of last summer when we were like, oh my God, how great are Rogue? And we've talked about this. Do you think Rogue, this spring split for Rogue was like, just very disappointing overall no. really because i because I, I feel so because di- i i feel you just really have bond- that feeling because they play like origin and no one likes that play style like if if rogue mm. played like mad lions or misfits for where they finish you'd be like i'm really hyped you know we have these exciting teams like mad lions and rogue and how far can they go but because rogue play like origin everyone's like man i'm gonna <sighs> Like you're def you're definitely right. Like there is a part of it that it's always like the flashier a team plays, the more hyped I'm going to be for them personally. But I also just think it was like they I thought they were third at the end of last season. Like they looked really good, really clean, and now I just feel like they haven't gotten better, and that makes me really really sad. Because I actually had a lot of hope for this roster, and I didn't believe in the Hansama hype train. But for the first like the early weeks, it really looked like this team was going to like take off and dunk people. Hansama was picking Draven. It was like super hype, and then I just feel like nothing nothing came from that. Well, this team didn't excel because of Han Sama. It excels because Larson is uh, Larson inspired or talented, and how they play around pick on waves is really good. Like, I don't know if it's Vand or shot calling for them, but Rogue are uh, they play for wave state, whereas Origin also play for wave state, whereas like G two and Fnatic play for like wave state and kill pressure, and uh, like they just think about more options in the game, whereas like Rogue and Origin are quite not elementary because they still have like the fundamentals but they have like an acceptable fundamental base and then they really care about like wave placement and what their jungler is doing to respond to if the wave is on the enemy side or if it's crashing onto their side like if a slow push is being pushed into rogue inspired is always there to have the counter dive if they are creating a slow push inspired is always there to dive and it's like that's kind of the basics of league of legends but like that's how rogue play and then when the map opens up um and their mid game is really good it's usually because they are really good at like pushing a wave forward and then they look at what the enemy wants to do to go and catch waves and then they sit in bushes and they pick that person off when they go and catch the wave and then they turn it into a numbers advantage to like grab an objective which then also means that rogue are really dependent on winning team fights 
um, to like move the chains or to uh, like push the game forward more. And they don't necessarily use the same like pressure control that G2 and Fnatic do where like they have certain item breakpoints. They know what their champions do. They know how like skirmishes work. And then G2 and Fnatic like control areas. And then if you try to contest them, they just hard punish you. Like Rogue and Origin don't play that game. So they just don't think about it. Are you happy with there? All right, here you, you yeah, go ahead. You mind your phone? Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say, like, I th- my my biggest issue with 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 Rogue and also Origin with the way they play is they 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 went into every game. It's like with with, with the choice of playstyle, it's almost as if you are playing your final uh, best of five of the split, meaning that mm. they are playing in a way where oh, we just need to do what we do best, and that's it. When you have the contrast of a Mad Lions that was very inconsistent, but with the idea that they are testing out the waters, they're using Fog of War to take some risks, they're doing plays that are not 100%, they're trying to gain value out of, uh, out of mechanical skill, they are trying to push their own limitations in terms of uh, what they can and cannot do. And I think what Rogue was doing was was constantly going for the safe thing because whenever they was were faced with any type of resistance, when when Fnatic or G2 put resistance up against them and all of a sudden Larson couldn't push freely in a matchup that he in his mind is supposed to be able to push freely because Fnatic use way more moving pieces to impact like a lane that is key, for example. Or G2, if they see that the enemy mid lane or enemy bot lane is key, they know how to impact it through resources from other lanes. And this is... Uh, the moment this happened, Rogue could not uh, fall back on what they usually do. Same thing with Origin. And I think this is my issue with it and why I'm more excited for Mad Lions because they were willing to play inconsistent league in the sense that they were actually trying things out of the ordinary. They were trying to use Folk of War in a, in, a, in a sense of it. They were saying, oh, let's just sit in this bush and see what happens, see what works. Maybe they int and die. Maybe they learn something. Maybe they improve. And then eventually they ramp up quicker and become better because of it because i think in the end you want to play in a way where you challenge the best of the best which is g2 and fanatic if you are a rogue and an origin and i think with the approach to the game you're not going to do so and uh, this is my biggest issue like i i think i echoed this in for example 2018 vitality like fanatic was really really insane 2018 but when they spoke about best of fives the team that they were most afraid of facing was us because they didn't know what they would be facing in the sense that there is one end of, of the spectrum of our performance level where we were super, super high because everything kind of was pieced together and everything kind of aligned. And this is what we were striving for. But then there was one end of the spectrum where everything kind of went to absolute crap, where everything just fell apart. One dive went wrong and die on the turret and it just looked like absolute garbage, right? And I think... If you are competing and you want to improve, this is what you need to strive for. And I think, uh, to your question, Drake, am I happy or is Frost happy? I'm just going to steal it. I'm not happy because I think this is not how you make a so-called rookie roster grow. Like, sure, they are rookies in the sense that they didn't play like a whole year together. So this mm-hmm. is my pet peeve when it comes to 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 Rogue. All right, then let me ask this. This is just a final a final kind of question to round us out. Who? What? What team surprised you the most? What team were you like happiest with at the end of the split? And which which team did you find overall like the most disappointing? Like, w- I mean, which team did you expect more from that like didn't meet those expectations? I think everyone will say that they're happiest with Mad Lions. I think that's like the easiest answer because there was zero expectation for them, and I think they blew everyone's expectations away. And just to echo what Yamada was saying, 
you know, they did it in a style where you can see so much development, you can see so much potential um, from them. In terms of like team that I'm most disappointed with, I don't know, kind of depends where your goalposts were. Uh, I don't think I can really be disappointed with Origin because I truly believe that if Origin were given the potential or the, not potential, the opportunity to show that they were the third best team in the league, like they were given a best of five against Mad Lions, I would still pick Origin in that best of five. I think they struggled early on um, against teams like Misfits and Mad Lions when you go back and watch their tape during the regular split. But, you know, when push came to shove uh, and they needed preparation, I think Origin would figure it out. And it wouldn't be the best of five that you would want to watch, but they'd probably just like outlast and endure Mad Lions, like wear them down and then just like do the origin thing. And I just don't think the Mad Lions have the consistency um, in terms of individual performances. And I think Arome versus Alfari is not a great matchup for Arome. So I would have faith that origin would still be the third best team given a best of five opportunity to prove it. And if that's what origins, like if that's what my expectations were for origin, then they absolutely met them. So can't be disappointed. I'm just, I, they keep saying that they want to win. They want to be contenders. And I, prove it <laughs> for me i would say like i'm very very happy about g2 considering how chillaxed they were in spring you know they like i can i can see the vision of what they want to accomplish and they want to win the world championship and i think they are improving on the last year and i think that's so difficult to do when you have so much success and it's rare when you have a roster that stays together coming into the next year and they are looking like they're about to exceed the previous year that is absolutely crazy to me it's something that i have an immense respect for because they took bold risks and they did things that people disagreed with sending caps into ad carry and there are a lot of moving pieces that they consider and that they are learning from i have a lot of respect for that in terms of disappointment, I think the one that comes to my mind right away is just Excel. Like mm-hmm. Excel, like Expect and Mickey were, you know, they're getting replaced now. Uh, this is what Excel said. Uh, and um, that was disappointing. You know, the six-star general, you know, the first time Young Buck is not working with a superstar roster, it falls out flat. It's only one split, and I don't think we should judge too fast, but still, I think the spring split was a massive disappointment because Excel looked exactly or even worse than they did last year. Strong early game team, but then, you know, they just don't know how to do Nash, don't know how to uh, pressure any type of space. They didn't know how to move the pieces. Like They even almost lost to a Vitality in a serious game, but luckily Vitality just had a way worse draft, so they just had, uh, you know, the outscale on their side. So lucky them, which was, to me, just the biggest disappointment by far, if I look at uh, the entire split, because I think a lot of teams have things to be happy about. I think Rogue landed where they were supposed to land. OG landed where they were supposed to land. Mad Lions, Misfits, I agree. I think they did uh, super well and exceeded expectations, but we always knew that there was a possibility there because there was a question of the rookie lineups and and so forth. So Mm. I think Excel was just the biggest disappointment. Yeah, it's weird. We've been in playoffs mode for so long that I kind of even forgot about the Excel run, but you make a good point. It was also especially like, like SK and Vitality. Like, there's one thing to be to not have any expectations on you, but that is some of like the worst League of Legends that I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, it's really rough. 
Yeah, for SK, it was hard to have big expectations because I think we looked at that roster and we all kind of just agreed that they lost the offseason. It just looked like they kind of downgraded everywhere. Well, I've never looked- seen a roster lose in lane phase so consistently. Like, SK never even got to play the game and show that they could even mm-hmm. play as a team. Like, it's one thing to look at Shelka and to be like, that team didn't play as a team. But then there's another thing to look at SK and be like, they didn't even, like, get an opportunity to try to play as a team because they got smashed in... uh the first seven minutes to 10 minutes of gameplay, like every single time. SK was just a self-made ad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So that one was hard because I didn't expect a lot. And Vitality, I think I like gave the benefit of the doubt to because they had so many roster issues, right? Like trying to get Melitza in, not getting Melitza in. Maybe Melitza was going to get in. Okay, we still don't have Melitza. What do we do? How do we adapt? Um I don't want to call, I almost don't want to like, for for me, it wasn't like, they just didn't show us anything, right? Like SK, we had very little expectations for her. So I just, eh, I'm not disappointed. I'm just like, meh, just like make some roster But the flops. thing is, is like, think about that statement. SK made playoffs in their return to the LEC. And like, yeah, you can say that they had self-made. And so you make the joke, like that was a self-made ad um, and like hard carry. But to lose a single player and then to replace him with a two-time MVP jungler. And I think that the idea was that Trick would be able to puppet like you have Trick's brain, just puppet everyone on SK, and then you'd find at least like mediocre success. But to completely collapse, um, you know, like the game plan, the the experiment, whatever it was, just didn't pay off. And like, do not get me wrong, when I say things like Vitality and SK, I think people will think that I'm only thinking of the players, and the players definitely have to share some of the responsibility. But I went in on Vitality, like that is also a huge like support system coaching staff like it's not even just like naming duke as like the coach and putting the blame there but like the whole org like the whole system the formula that you are building in and you are supposed to create like uh set people up for success is like the word that we use all the time right i don't think sk or vitality set up their league of legends teams for success and it shows because they absolutely crashed and burned and that's not saying go and flame saken for uh filling in in mid lane and not playing well it's you know what what the fiddlesticks happened behind scenes that (laughs) that had to be your only option and you kept having to like run it forward like that over the course of you know nine weeks yeah i mean like i I, it's hard for me to know what is the right amount of disappointed because i don't i think that's my fear is like letting it carry over to the players because we talked to Cabo towards the end of the split on pgl and he talked a lot about kind of waiting for it to click and still believing and holding faith in that roster and well, players are just like the weapons that you have, like and yeah, yeah, for like, sure. The system to to build out like your arsenal, and like definitely players can take responsibility because we've seen like in that past that players can have like massive voices in orgs and a lot of control, mm. and then they lead them down like a path that is towards utter destruction. But I don't think that that's what happened here. And again, it's like my only thing is don't just go and flame the players, but understand that this was like a collective failure. Like this type of failure has to be failings at like multiple breakpoints. Have we heard anything? Do you guys no. know from SK or Vitality, by the way? Because it I sounds like- checked, I went and checked Vitality's like socials because I was like really digging in to see if they had said anything. Duke gave like one interview and I'm going to be pretty frank, like really passed the buck, did not take responsibility. And then I think back to the times when like Youngbuck, uh, Yamato, uh, Grabs before, like. And again, not just saying to just go out and hard flame Duke, but just like as an example, there are so many times when coaches would be like, this one's on me. Like they absorb the aggro 
because they would they understand that I don't want this on my players because guess what if the, the community is hard flaming my players and we're already struggling they're probably going to play worse so like the coach will like throw themselves out here we in broadcasting are like well I guess the coach is trying to draw aggro right now but that was like <laughs> silent from SK and Vitality they just like piranha just came and ripped their teams apart and I'm like of course these guys are going to play better I think I think you raise a very good point. It's like what what I said about earlier as well, like in regards to to Mowgli. Like I I I wanted Mowgli to perform the same way he did in Africa, and you need to remember why he's performing at a certain level. And as I mentioned in Africa, he had like Africa had just a line of junglers. Like we were visiting their their gaming house. <laughs> There's like three junglers are standing behind Mowgli's <laughs> screen, just looking over his shoulder. You know. It's like, if he does one mistake, then he's benched, you know, and he, he gets swapped out. And this type of pressure that he really flourished under, and he didn't have that same pressure because in Vitality, we just had a five-man roster. And that was, like, my mistake, right? But in the end, like, people were viewing how, how Mowgli played and judging him for it. And, and that was, like, really sad to me because I knew what Mowgli was capable of. And coming into this year, my plan was to, you know, solve that. And I think you make a very good point that the organization really, really has the power and the responsibility to, you know, make their players flourish. Because the same with, you know, players sometimes one split do super well, the next split they do worse. I think another great example is uh, Sven. He was yep. in TSM, looked uh, worse, and then people were even arguing, it, like, if, if Sneaky, uh, if it's a downgrade <laughs> between Sneaky and Sven, which to us that have watched Sven play at the highest level is just a complete meme. And now Sven is dominating, and there is a big, big gap between him and any other AD carry in North America. And that is because the C9 engine does so well by their players. And I think that's another proof of it. I also think, it, like, and continuing with, like, the North America example, I see this all the time. Whenever North America fails at international, or just doesn't live up to the fans' expectations at international events. I don't personally think that North America, like, absolutely fails every single time. It's just, like, you got to figure out where your goalposts are realistically. and. Everyone always blames the players. I know it's hard to like separate the players from the orgs because so many of these names have been with these orgs for so long, but like it has to be a shared responsibility. At what point are people going to stop going, you know, WTF double lift? Why didn't you flash? He never flashes. This is always his fault. And be like, WTF TL? Like you've had how many runs at this? Why can't you get the superstar roster to do anything? And it's like, you have to, they have to be included in that conversation. You just can't keep ragging on these players every single time because we know that these players are great. But if you keep putting them in, into a system where you, they're all spec'd wrong, if you think about like an RPG, you've got like someone like Double, if you put all of your points into, I don't know, intelligence and spirit, like instead of attack damage, and then you just run in, you get blown up every single time. I think that's what the, the issue is. And I just, that always baffles me that no one will, will put the orgs on accountability. Dang. And or it's just big. hide behind the players. And they're just like, it's fine, we'll replace them and people will forget about it. It's like, well, you keep making terrible decisions. <laughs> oh, it's just like, I think Sina is just the greatest example. Because like, they seem to do so much with less. And this yeah. was a year where they had like an even number in terms of like player, like player strength. And they just outperformed out the wazoo, you know? And like, for me, that's, that's just... Credit to Reaper and the staff in general because they get so much out of their players. Like when they got to semis, was it semis? Did they get to semis? They got to semis. They beat the freaking quarters. That was yep. even in that roster. Like, what, it was the Fnatic C9 game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, even with that, 
the roster was not that insane. The roster on paper was not that insane, but they managed to do so, so much. Like they beat us twice. And I think on paper, my players were better. So I take that failure upon myself. So Yeah. Look, what I'll, what I'll say is I don't know a lot about the behind the scenes stuff. I think my perspective there is limited just because we don't get to see the inner workings, especially the yeah. business side. It's not something that people are very public about. And um, each one is different. Like, that's the other thing. There's yeah. no, like, set standard of how every team works behind the scenes. But then that's also usually why you can make a pretty good estimate about which teams are a complete mess behind the scenes. Because guess what? Those teams are the ones that sit at the bottom of the standings for six splits in a row. Dang. All right, Froskerin. I was I wasn't getting I wasn't looking to give you another opportunity to pop off, but you find every opportunity. <laughs> Respect to you for that. All I was gonna say is I'm shout out to, shout out to Jack, <laughs> shout out to C9 as an org. I think they are a, a great example um, from a public perspective. Who knows how they run behind the scenes? But it seems like they've got their stuff together. So shout out to them. Congrats on the uh, on the dominating split, and always good to see Lord Sven return to form. But we'll wrap here. I think we've we've gone down the rabbit hole. We've jumped in and tackled a lot of topics I didn't expect us to tackle. But SK Vitality. If you're listening to this, give us something to be excited about next season, please. That's the that's the final request. And as an update earlier this split, uh, Yamato and I, we bet on who would win rookie of the split. I bet Karzi, he bet Shadow. We were both completely wrong. <laughs> uh, the stakes were never defined, um, and we had kind of a plan, but it had to get pushed back due to the ongoing COVID situation. Not like you haven't heard that one before, guys. Um, so sorry, obviously. Um, but both of us lost. And that means our producer gets to essentially pick what is going to happen for us. And he is cruel and malicious and an excellent producer. And we love him so much. And he would never do anything to hurt us. I swear he would never make us do anything embarrassing or terrible uh, if you're listening, Depa. But he gets to pick what happens to us. So we'll find out what happens there in the end. Thanks, Frosk, for coming on for this episode. And I absolutely popping off on literally anyone you were presented the opportunity to pop off onto. I liked it, Frosk. It was it was a ferocious performance, uh, most most certainly. You're gonna okay. you're gonna get some comments. I have to be uh an uh what do you call it, Yamato S- snake oil salesman for like so much of the split where you just like have to say a good thing, billboard for player, and like don't get me wrong, I really love telling the good stories of the team, but when I'm at the end of the split and I'm just like, I can only go nine weeks pretending that everything is fine on that roster when behind the scenes I'm just like, figure your shit out, like what is happening here? And so now I'm just I'm done. <laughs> is we're at the end of the split. Don't worry. By the time summer rolls around, I'm sure I'll be like and, you know, the thing about SK and Vitality is they don't have any expectations, which means all the pressure should be off. They made this roster swap, this roster swap, and we're super excited to see what they do. Good luck, guys. And she does it again. Take us home, <laughs> there, there we go. Thank you for watching uh, this season of the Euphoria podcast. This is our last episode for the season. We're going to be taking a short break for a few weeks, but we will see you at the start of the summer split. Woo! Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Woo! Woo! It's the end. He's actually excited for summer, Dracos. I mean, right now I'm excited for EU Masters, which started yesterday uh, at some time when you list this. I'm casting the first series with Foxtrot, which already happened. This is so weird because it's getting released tomorrow. So watch EU Masters. It's hype. It's where the new stars come from. It's where we can see where Vitality and SK will poach their new rosters from. It will be a good time. Come watch it. Leader's playing. You guys love Leader? All right, We that's actually it. just call it LEC tryouts. LEC tryouts. Come watch LEC tryouts. It's hype. It's like scouting grounds, but with actual stakes. Woo! <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So thanks for watching. This has been Euphoria. This is the episode where we flame everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye.